Welcome to Health Cetera's podcast. Successful beginning of life care and end of life care require a balance of both medical and non-medical support. Non-medical, physical, emotional, and informational support can come in the form of a doula. Doulas are trained companions and coaches who provide attention and support that medical professionals may not have the time or ability to provide for patients. Birth doulas help mothers during pregnancy, childbirth, and the postpartum period immediately after their pregnancies have ended. Emily Adams is a DONA-trained birth doula and lactation specialist who is helping new mothers by providing non-medical beginning-of-life care. On this HealthCetera podcast, registered nurse Diana Mason hosts Emily Adams for a conversation about the role of doulas and the many benefits of utilizing one. This podcast first aired on Health Cetera in the Catskills on WIOX Radio on January 5th, 2022. Uh, did you know that pregnant women have to leave the county to deliver their babies? In Delaware County, they don't deliver here. They have to leave. And some have to leave just to get prenatal care. So, And there's attention being paid to this and like, some people who are trying to work on uh, trying to build some of the services in the in the county, but right now, if you 're a pregnant woman you 've got to leave the county to, to ha- have your baby at a hospital or a birthing center so pregnant women and new mothers often face a lot of challenges in getting the care and support they need prenatally during labor and delivery, and when they go home <clears throat> now, Emily Adams knows all about this she knows about what pregnant women and new mothers need she 's a doula and lactation specialist in our region. She's also a member of the Margaretville Hospital Board of Directors and Transparency I am as well. And I want to welcome Emily Adams back to Health Center in the Catskills. You were on here a few weeks ago talking about um, uh, the event that's coming up on October 10th, the art auction. Thank you for coming back. Oh, I might help if I turned your volume up. Ah. Yeah, there we go. I said, I said thank, thank you for having me again. Yes, and, and just to remind people, there is this art auction on August 10th? On October 10th. October. Um, it's a Sunday at 4.30 p.m. at um, Roxbury Liberal Arts. Yes, and uh, you can get in and see the show ahead of time, or uh, see the, the artwork ahead of time, and uh, both Saturday and Sunday. And we'll say more yeah. about that coming up. All right. So you're a doula. What's a doula? <laughs> a doula. A doula is, the word doula actually is a Greek word, and it means uh, a woman who serves. A doula has come to uh, represent somebody who helps people through labor uh, and through pregnancy. However, there are other kinds of doulas, like end-of-life doulas. But I think most people associate the word doula with um, being pregnant and, and giving birth. Uh, a doula is a really trained birth partner who supports a family throughout their pregnancy, labor, delivery, and first three about three months postpartum. Um, and what that looks like is doulas provide informational support, physical but non-medical support, and emotional support to a family as they as they work their way through pregnancy and into new parenthood. And and do people pay out of pocket for this, or do, does insurance cover it? People do pay out of pocket. Um, 
right now in New York State, doulas are not covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. However, there is um, talks in, in, in the works that that will soon change. Um, however, I am able to go through FlexSpend. So when people have FlexSpend accounts, I'm able to take, take their FlexSpend cards as a form of payment. Um, and provide invoices so that they can submit those to their insurance company. Now, Emily, do you know about whether in other states, um, I don't imagine it's here yet, but in other states, whether Medicaid covers the doula services? They are starting to roll that out in certain places. Even in New York, um, there's a pilot program going on with with Medicaid, but it is very limited, and the the rates for the doulas are very low. Um, they're not livable wages. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is right now something that, uh, you know, doulas are, are hopeful for, and so are families. Um, and there are doulas that do it. Um, there are also doulas that work on sliding scales so that we can accommodate and provide doula service for anyone who wants a doula. Now, um, how do you become a doula? Becoming a doula, most doulas go through some kind of doula training and certification program. Um, we are lay people, however, so there there is no um, governing body for doulas. Uh, so you could simply doula your friend. Um, however, when you hire a doula that has gone through training, we, we have a lot more education in the process of labor and delivery um, and issues that would arise in pregnancy and postpartum. So... Um, I personally did my training through DONA, which stands for Doulas of North America, mm. and you do a doula workshop, and you have requirements for um, independent study as well, and you have to attend a certain number of certifying births and be signed off by doctors and families. Um, there are other organizations that certify doulas as well, like Doula Training International. Um, they do a lifetime certification. DONA certification is for three years. So you have to do continuing education to maintain your certification. So um, <clears throat> the talk about what you would do as a doula. So when would I connect with you as a pregnant woman? Well, um, I've been hired as a doula very early, um, all the way up until somebody was on the way into the hospital. <laughs> so I, I tell people, as long as you're still pregnant, you can still hire a doula. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, the, the earlier you hire a doula, the more they'll be able to provide you area resources. One of our, our roles is to help you find resources in your area for things like childbirth education, lactation training, um, uh, chi- infant and child CPR and first aid, finding a doctor who's in, in alignment with what you hope for in terms of your birth and things like that. When you hire a doula later in your pregnancy, usually things like your care provider have already been well-established and it becomes a little harder to change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, it, it, there, again, there's never a wrong time, but if you hire earlier in your pregnancy, your doula would be able to help you find those right connections for you. Now, I, I understand, um, you know, why a doula would come in when you have an obstetrician. What about when you have a midwife or nurse midwife? Anyone who is is providing care and helping you deliver your baby is focusing on your delivery and your birth. A doula is more focused on the big, the big picture, your entry into parenthood, which could be from um, preparing your nursery, making sure you have the supplies you need for a home birth, um, helping, you know, your, your midwife might say, you know, you may want a birthing pool for your home birth. 
and a doula would be able to help you find that that birthing pool that's right for you. Um, so you know you can kind of think about doulas a little bit as a as a guide into parenthood or a kind of a concierge into parenthood mm-hmm. where they're very connected to those resources in the area and they know what you need and what you don't need. Now, so, COVID aside, would you go into to labor and delivery with the, the woman? Yes. Yes. But with COVID, that's been restricted in many places. That has been restricted in many places. Um, I started an, a virtual doula service a year before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I could provide doula services to people that don't have local access. Mm. Um, in New York City, for example, there are many doulas, and it's not that hard to find a doula that will fit, fit your needs. But in other places, they're not as readily available. The options are much more limited. Mm. So when COVID happened, I had several clients who were due around that time when they shut doulas and even partners out of the hospitals. And I was able to tell them, you know what, I've been doing this for a year now virtually, and this is how it will work. So I provided my the families that I worked with with a, a, a tripod for their device that would wrap around the arm of their hospital bed, and I video chatted them through labor and delivery, oh, yeah. um, which maybe isn't, you know, our dream case scenario, but it worked really well. Yeah. So... Um, and I still have that as my backup with, with the clients that I do have because things, rules have changed, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the weather, seemingly. <laughs> and, you know, some days doulas are let in and some not. And some days hosp- hospital, different hospitals have different regulations. So it's really important that whatever doula you hire is, has that kind of flexibility. So I and then afterwards, after the delivery, what do you do? So when I attend a birth in person, I, I remain with the laboring couple um, throughout their labor and delivery and for about the first two hours postpartum. And in that time frame, um, my goals are to, you know, make sure that they've been cleaned up and that they're bonding with the baby. I like to see a first um, feeding session happen if that's the way that they're choosing to feed their baby by breastfeeding, body feeding, however they feel comfortable terming that. Um, so I like to make sure that that gets established before I leave and that they've both had something to eat and that they're bonding with their baby and in a comfortable place. And then I step away, but I stay in touch with them very regularly through text, through phone calls. Um, and then within the first two weeks postpartum, I go to their home and do a postpartum visit, at which time I kind of just assess what their needs are at that time. And look out for signs of any early postpartum mood disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, I equip them with some resources so that they can recognize those as well. Knowing somebody is watching you reduces your risk of developing a postpartum mood disorder. So, um, And then I just, you know, balk at their baby and tell them how amazing their baby is mm-hmm. and how amazing they are that they made that from yes. basically dust. Yes. It's a pretty cool process. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking years ago, uh, it was nurses who saw the women prenatally. Nurses were more attentive during labor and delivery. They did the prenatal classes, and afterwards they would make a home visit, usually within 24 to 48 hours, to make sure all is well. And that was um, paid for, usually paid for. Right. And, and then uh, it probably wasn't paid for enough, and so the services stopped. And the money was paid for the delivery, um, some some prenatal and the prenatal care, but there wasn't much support 
the, the patient load in hospitals became such that nurses don't have the time to do that kind of support, which is really awful. And we've gone back to now using somebody else, these doulas, but you're not getting paid uh, what, you, what you ought to be paid, if anything. Uh, and so I'm struggling with, and I know we were going to try to get breastfeeding. We might not get it in today. We might have to, have to do that another day. But I'm struggling with, what does this say about our society and the extent to which we really understand where and how health is created for mother and baby? that all we're paying attention to, you are paying attention to some prenatal care because that can affect outcomes and costs. Uh, but And we're paying attention to that delivery in hospital. But we're not as attentive postnatally. That's true. I think that even, you know, with the... This is this is one thing that is changing. Traditionally, when, and when I gave birth, I have two children myself, you don't even see your OB again until six weeks postpartum. And that is just too long. Yes. Um, You feel like when you have your first child, they hand you your baby and they let you leave the hospital and you feel overwhelmed by that. It's a very common thing. And you also feel isolated and alone and without a lot of support. Um, Doulas do help a lot. There are, I I actually host a free new parent group um, for, you know, new parents that have children under the age of one. Um, where we meet up weekly, although during COVID that had to change, obviously. But, um, you know, find, finding a support, a peer support group, uh, a, any kind of support group is, is really valuable because there is that lack of postpartum care. Hmm. And do you find that the grandmothers, there's a lot of grandmothers in our county, the grandmothers tend to be very helpful if one is around in terms of making that adjustment after delivery, or are there ways perhaps more out of date um, I think that really depends on your relationship with with your mother, um, with your grand with your grandparents. Um, I I definitely have some families that I've worked with that have amazing parents that come in and are very very helpful, and I also have worked with families whose parents come in and are another task for the the new parents to take care of. So you know that would really depend. And I, I mean I can speak from my relationship with my own mother. Mm-hmm. She did not breastfeed. Um, and was unable to do so. And, and that was one of the biggest pieces that I needed support with. Yes. And she wasn't able to help me in that regard because she didn't have experience. And she was from that generation where, you know, people were told formula was better for your babies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in that generation did not breastfeed their children. Right. And so they don't have that wealth of knowledge to draw upon. So what advice would you give grandparents about how they can be of help, a sort of do's and don'ts of being of help um, uh, after the mother and the new baby come home? Um, I would say you make yourself available to do all, mother the mother. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what postpartum doers do. Make yourself available to take care of all the things that the person that just delivered isn't really able to take care of right now. That means, like, do the laundry, Mm -hmm. wash the dishes, prepare the meals, walk the dog, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, Mm -hmm. so that the new parents can focus on learning how to care for their baby. And, of course, hold the baby while they take a shower, take a nap, um, you know, things like that. But really support the parents to learn. Um, I think it's much better to give them the support they need rather than to swoop in and do it for them, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It very much makes sense. And maybe asking, um, how can I be of help to you? 
Yeah. Uh, what what tasks need to get accomplished today? What yeah. would make your day easier? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so uh, what 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 can go wrong postpartum that you're concerned about as a doula? I mean, lots of things. Um, I think my my biggest concern is baby feeding mm-hmm. because that's where I see the most difficulty. Um, it's one of those things where you can prepare and you can learn and understand the physiology behind feeding, but until you have that baby in your hands and you're actually doing it, it's hard to troubleshoot. Um, so that's one of the biggest areas where people call me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I pay really close attention to is postpartum mood disorder mm-hmm. and just being on the lookout for that. And then recovery. How are you feeling physically? Um, you know, because there are certain things, like if somebody is, their milk isn't coming in, you know, there could be the issue of a retained placenta or things like that. So I'm always kind of looking for their recovery um, completely and in, in every way, and then their how, how feeding is going and things like that. Are they sleeping? Are they mm-hmm. happy? Are they not happy? You know. Mm-hmm. And and when you're a doula with a woman, does it matter whether they're getting an epidural or? they're going totally natural with no medications or uh, they're, they're wanting more and more medications to not have the full experience. Right. I, uh, you know, everybody's birth, every, every pregnant person's birth journey is different um, and their needs are different. I support all kinds of births, whether it is a, 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 C, a C-section, a cesarean birth or a, um, they're planning to have an epidural or they're not planning to have, have an epidural, and I support them in the same way. Mm-hmm. I really do think it's important to provide every pregnant person with the tools that they would need if for some reason they couldn't have an epidural that they wanted. Mm-hmm. So I always prepare people for the event that they are having an unmedicated birth because you don't need a reservation for an epidural. So <laughs> it's there. But if you get there and you're you're set on having an epidural, and for some reason you, you're unable to get it or it doesn't work, which is rare, but it can happen, then you don't have tools to cope. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I attend all kinds of births, and, you know, everybody chooses the right way for them, and it's not my job to, to make that decision for them. Uh, my job is really to provide them information and resources so that they can make an informed choice. And is it your experience that people, I mean, I, I remember the day when there were childbirthing classes that would be over a period of weeks and both the mother and the partner would come to the childbirthing classes. And then uh, more recently I've talked to people who, well, no, there's not a childbirthing class. Maybe they went to one class or something. Are, are we adequately preparing women um, for labor and delivery? I think that... Um there, there's a gamut of that. There definitely still are those weekly classes that, that meet up. I attended childbirth ed like that. Um, there are virtual classes that happen online. Um, I think that OBs could probably do a better job of advising people to attend a childbirth mm-hmm. ed class mm-hmm. um, and an independent one at that. I know some hospitals hold childbirth ed classes, and those hospitals are really preparing you to have a hospital delivery that includes intervention. Yes. Um, I think it's great to attend a childbirth ed class that is more neutral yes. um, outside of the hospital. Yeah. Are we adequately preparing? It, it, again, it depends on the, on the pregnant person. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say not all pregnant people identify as, as mother. So I just want to uh, call, right. call, call them pregnant people. Uh-huh. Um, they, 
they have come from different places and with different ideas about what birth is and different feelings about taking classes for mm-hmm. different reasons. Mm-hmm. Someone who doesn't identify as, as mother or woman may not be comfortable in their mind attending a childbirth ed class that is really geared towards mothering. If that makes sense. Yes. Now we only we only have like a couple minutes left. But could you say a little bit more about so who would not want to be identified as mother? Anyone who doesn't identify as as woman. I mean, there's non-binary people. There's trans people. They can still are, be pregnant. Become pregnant. They can okay. still be. Mm-hmm. You don't have to identify as a woman to become pregnant yeah. or to give birth. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, so uh, I'm going to have you come back on and we're going to talk about breastfeeding because it's it is an area that I'm very interested in. Um, I think there are a lot of uh, conflicting messages that we have in the society around breasts and what we do with our breasts. So uh, I'd love to have you come back and talk about that. But in the meantime, uh, what if somebody wanted to contact you about being a doula and your doula service? I have a website. It's called theconnectedbirth.com because we're, I believe we're all connected through birth because we've all been born one way or another. So they can reach out to me on theconnectedbirth.com. There's a, a form that they can reach out to me through. Um, and then in terms of, of people in other places, I'm always happy to give referrals and help people find a doula. Right. But there are also organizations like DONA um, or DTI or different doulas. DONA is a certifying body, as is DTI. So if you go to, you know, look up DONA, Doulas of North America, on the web, on the web, uh, internet, it'll lead you to their website, and they have certified doulas that you can connect with in your area. Same with DTI. What's um, DTI training? Ah. It's Doula Trainings International. And they also have a registry of certified doulas, so you can connect with them through that website. Um, and again, I'm, I'm always happy to give referrals to people if, you know, I can only take on so many clients. Yes. So <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I have a lot of doula colleagues who are fantastic, and I'm always happy to offer Great. Um, recommendations. Great. And doula is D-O-U-L-A, D-O-U-L-A. Yes. And this, D-O-U-L-A. And we've been talking today with Emily Adams, who is herself a doula as well as a lactation specialist. And, Emily, thank you so much. I am going to get you back on to talk about breastfeeding. It's a really important topic, and you're, you're a good advocate. Thank you so much for coming on to Health Center and the Catskills. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to a podcast of Health Cetera and the Catskills. For more podcasts and discussions of important health issues and policies affecting health, go to Health Cetera's website and blog at www.healthmediapolicy.com. That's www.healthmediapolicy.com. This podcast was produced by Dr. Diana Mason and production assistant Kai Volsey.